Welcome back, everybody. Happy Monday. And a happy Labor Day. Happy Labor Day, yeah. yeah. Hopefully you're all, uh, the majority of you anyways, are enjoying this day off work like I am and as Dom is. Um, this is true. Welcome back to episode 13. Yes. Of the Below Average Joe's UFC podcast, and today is the recap show. Oh yeah, UFC Vegas 9. nine. UFC Vegas 9 <laughs> recap show. Um, also be going over some of the news, but just to break down the results of the card last night, um, third week in a row, <laughs> just want to point this out, <laughs> this ongoing meme of a show that we do on Friday, this fight card completely changed from our breakdown. It literally went from prelims and main card to just one big main this card. This time though, <clears throat> so we, again, we record these, uh, these um, breakdowns on Thursdays yeah. and release them on Friday morning. We got done recording, and ten minutes later, <laughs> yeah. one of the fights that we had talked yeah. about had already been taken off. Yeah, as we were already uploading the video. Yeah. Sucks. I man. mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. But then apparently this whole card just the like, went to shit. The whole card fell apart. Yeah. So they just decided, all right, we have seven fights left. Just one big main one card. One big main card. Started an hour early. and Yeah, so um, it was a bit of a mess, but uh, we're going to do our best to recap it all for you guys. Uh, just the results here. Main event. Heavyweight action, the legend, the ageless wonder, the well, he's not the Reem anymore. Yeah, he's I was the demolition s- man. I was gonna say, Alistair Overeem takes down the young, plucky up and comer Augusto Sakai, fifth round TKO in convincing fashion. I must say. convincing fashion, light heavyweight action in the co-main. Ooh. OSP Ovin Saint Preux knocks out Alonzo Minifield in the second round. Face planted, hell of a knockout. Then Michelle, yeah, <laughs> it's Michelle. Sorry, we we debated on it before we started uh, yeah. Friday, but we were wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. Yeah, Michelle Pereira takes down Zalim Idamayev by via submission, rear naked choke in yep. the third round. Middleweight action: Andre Munez defeats. <laughs> I put Bartos. I think it's Bartos. Fabinski. Bartos Fabinski via armbar in the first round. Brian Kelleher. The man. Takes down Ray Rodriguez via guillotine in 39 seconds. Oh, yes. Vivian Arruyo defeats Montana De La Rosa via unanimous decision. And our first fight, Hunter Azor takes down Cole Smith via unanimous decision. Seven um, fights, yeah, five seven finishes. Fights, five finishes. Good night for finishes. Oh, yeah. And we'll get more into that later, but first... Dom, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's going to be a great week. I agree. It's a short very, work week. Yes, a short work week. <laughs> work, work week? Short, I said work week. Work, work week? A short work week. Yes. I'm doing good, man. Yeah. How about yourself? I'm doing well as, as well. Um, I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very excited uh, to not have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. I get to save myself about two and a half hours worth of driving. Yeah, right. Yeah, you heard that right, people. You heard it right. This man's doing it all. I'm doing the mostest. <laughs> but anyways, I'm just happy to be back here to talk about these fights. And um, There's no quiet. I know this is going to be a great week because um, we're going to talk about it at the end, but we have some big announcements coming for very, you. Very, very big announcements coming this Thursday. All thanks to Dom. I'm just going to give him the credit now oh. because I... Uh, Without you, no, there's no podcast, buddy. Well, I appreciate it's that. Two way street. 
while I was doing my business on Friday, you were really, <laughs> you might have just set us up for life with this podcast. So anyways, we'll talk about that more yeah, at the stay end. Stay tuned for the end. And now it's time for the news. The news. The best segment of the week. Yeah, best segment. Um, short news week, but it's important news, I would I say. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, first things first. Rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Osmat Chimaev has his next two fights announced? Question mark? <laughs> uh, so it seems like it's official that he, uh, he's going to be fighting literally in two weeks. Yeah. Against Gerald Mearchart. Yes. Uh, September 19th. And that, just to note, that will be in Vegas. He was able to get his U.S. visa. Which okay. is why he's going to be able to fight here, and then, of course, leading into your second Yeah, so, part. and then Dana confirmed, um, I want to say it was the pre-fight, the before this card, it was like the pre-fight media scrum. Yeah. He confirmed that they're looking to book uh, Hazmat versus Damian Maya in, yeah. at Fight Island. This is a lot to process. Yeah, Dom, I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. We all know how good Chimaev is. Yeah. He's, he's unbelievable. We were looking for this stat before the episode. I don't know if we were able to find it or not, but I think it's in the realm somewhere. He's 2-0 in the UFC. He has landed 160-some-odd strikes. His opponents have landed less than 10. Just think about it. Right. Let it sink in. Okay, so Dan is high on this kid, as is literally everyone, right? Yeah. Here's where my problem is, though. He's fighting an unranked opponent in two weeks, correct? Yep. So just, you know, say he were to lose. Mm-hmm. How can you justify him fighting a number eight ranked or something seven, like that? Seven ranked, yeah. How can you justify him fighting a number seven ranked Damian Maya when he loses to an unranked opponent? That's where my only issue is. Yeah, but clearly I, they have faith in him to win. Yeah, and I, if I'm Mearchart, I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm coming in with a chip on my shoulder. He tweeted and said, I will make sure that he is physically unable to fight in October. Okay. Yeah, that's a bold <laughs> that's a bold statement. Okay. But that's the thing, like, he's pissed. Yeah, no, I am rightfully, rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, hey, look, you know, I, I must say that this is completely unprecedented for the UFC, This I is say. wild. Um, it's like competitive 101 is to like not look ahead of your current opponent <laughs> but here's the whole company but the whole company for, is yeah. kind of looking ahead of his current opponent now Damian Maya um he is ranked 7th and like it's weird though it's like even if uh Chimaev loses I like I don't mind that they're like yeah. already going to have that fight booked I'm just and, and like I get it, like behind the scenes that you like this probably is not the first time this has happened. Yeah, probably but the true. fact that they're being like they're so basically ad- admitting it, it. Yeah, yeah, um, is definitely a little surprising. I guess um, when you really look at uh, Mirchart, though, he's a vet, man. Yeah, he the guy's is. thirty-one and thirteen. He's thirty-two years old, so he's kind of got that Anthony Smith thing going on, where yeah. he's a little bit younger for all the over fights the, over those like what forty-four fights. Um, but he's coming off a TKO loss to Ian Heinish at UFC 250. Um, that kid's on a, a in, high right now. In a now. minute, 14 seconds. Yeah. So um, he's been a guy that's been trading wins and losses for a while. Um, 
but he's really fought some great opponents. Mm-hmm. He lost to Tiago Santos way back in 2017. Wait, who's that again, Noah? The guy you predicted to be champ? <laughs> yeah, the guy I predicted to be light heavyweight <laughs> champ. Pretty sure this was at middleweight, yeah, though. Yeah. Um, he also lost to Jack Hermanson back in 2018, the end of 2018. So, uh, lost to Kevin Holland in March of 2019. So, are they fighting at middleweight for this fight I and then the know. second fight he'll move down to welterweight I, I don't I, I don't know because that's what he did the first two fights i will say he that cut the weight and then a week i later, will say that mirchart it appears has never fought at i think it's going to be a middleweight then um i could be wrong about that though but point being that in the ufc anyways doesn't look like he's ever fought at welterweight right so uh Chimayev has been doing this a, in his first two. He, he, he's he been bouncing up and down in weight. It just, is at middleweight. Just fighting whoever. That's Mirchart's definitely, a, he's unranked, but he's definitely a step up. You know. Yeah, 100%. He's a step up. He's beat Trevin Giles. That's a guy that people are, you know, he's he's an up-and-comer. Um, he beat Eric Spicely, another guy that's been around for a while. His losses are definitely like he's also lost to Eric Anders, mm-hmm. uh, former Alabama linebacker, I yeah. believe, um, and then the Ian Heinish loss. So overall, he's been trading a lot of wins and losses. He's kind of that journeyman, like gatekeeper for the top fifteen almost type role. But um, I'm I'm very happy with that matchup. I think that's a great matchup yeah. for to really test uh, Osmot here, but. Um, if he were to win in the same sort of fashion that he's gone on these first two fights, that fight with Damian Maya, give me that all day. Yeah, that's um, an interesting I'm, matchup. Because people are count, people will sleep on Damian Maya. It seems like forever. He's arguably the greatest submission artist we've ever seen. In the the greatest, yeah. I mean, there's no other way to really put it. That guy, he's coming off a tough L against Gilbert Burns, a fight where he got put to sleep pretty much TKO. But you know what, what I'm saying. But before that, man, he was on a three-fight win streak over Lyman Good, Anthony Rocco Martin, and then uh, Funky Ben Askren. And he's 40 years old doing yeah, all this. Yeah, I mean, before that, he, he had a title fight with Tyron Woodley. That was a huge stinker. But <laughs> then he had back-to-back losses to Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. Yeah. Guys fought everybody. That's a big well, he step he fought up. Anderson Silva way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, for the belt. Yeah, that was in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Like, yeah, isn't just, that kind of funny how that comes wild. around? Um, yeah, man, he's really, like, I, I definitely don't see uh, Damian Maya. I, I don't think he's um, ever going to be, like, fighting for a belt again. But yeah. um, I definitely... He's going to be right there for people to earn their way to the belt. Again, if Chimayev comes in and proves what we all kind of think about him, that he this dude's for real and that he's going to come in and basically steamroll Mirchart, then this matchup makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's just a risk for the UFC to already be planning ahead. When he hasn't even, because this kind of, you know, well, especially when, because you know who, you know who Hazmat's kind of reminding me of right now, Johnny Walker. Yeah. Now, Johnny Walker was a guy who had already had losses before, and like you were just kind of like, huh, like he looks really good, really excited, but but like as far as in the smaller promotions, he had lost like six times or something like that. He's not a guy who won every fight. Hazmat is, uh, I believe. He's probably never even. I believe his record is he's a seven and no yeah. or eight no excuse yeah. me. So um, yeah, he he has looked absolutely dominant, and I expect him to do keep it going. Yeah. And I honestly think he wins against Damian Maya too. But I will say that you know he's going to be bigger than Damian Maya. 
He's going to be stronger, probably faster. Still dangerous. But with his game plan to be like smother you, take you down type thing. Yeah, Damien could latch on to something. Damien, if there's one guy who will be a Achilles heel to that kind of style, yeah. it'll be Damien Maya. I mean, you look at Ben Askren, who I know we kind of – Ben Askren might get the, be the butt of a lot of jokes now. Love but, funky Ben. But Ben Askren, what, like, he's good. Like, I don't oh, care yeah. what he – like, just because I get it. He got knocked out five seconds – then he has that loss to Damian Maya, but I yeah. mean, he technically beat Ravi Lawler in a fight that he had to come back in. Yep. Um, and before that, he was dominant over in one FC for a long time. So that guy's no slouch, you know that. And he was a great wrestler. Yeah. That's like his. He's not a striker at all. He was a wrestler, and Damian literally choked him unconscious. Yeah. Put him to sleep. Yeah. So, and I feel bad because we're totally like. I guess everybody really is though. We're overlooking. Mirchart first, or however you say his name, and that's, I again, it's no easy fight, and we've touched on it. I'm very interested to see how this all plays out, and you know that if Chimaev wins both, he'll fight two more times before the year's over. I know, isn't that all crazy? he wants to do is fight. That man's gonna fight six times in about four months. But he's taken no damage, no. literally zero damage. I mean, so what was you, that? Did you say that stat earlier? Yeah, we're talking about the total. He's strikes? taken less than ten total strikes in his career. In the UFC, fights. he's taken like two. Yeah. In two fights, I believe the man's taken two or three two strikes. strikes. Yeah. He's landed 160 plus. And I mean, again, his last opponent, Rice McKee, that dude's one of the top prospects in the United in the UK right yeah, now. Yeah, an incredible striker. So. And he didn't look like he, he didn't belonged. look like he belonged. And I guarantee. Or I shouldn't say I guarantee. I predict that you will be hearing about Rice McKee in the next coming years. Yeah. Like that guy's good. Yeah, he is. It's just Hazmat might be the next big, the next big thing. I don't want to. Again, I I've been. We're trying, looking at a Habib type guy. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying not to over overextend on these guys. I want to see them really prove it. Yeah. You know, I've been reluctant to. You know, I was reluctant with Johnny Walker. That I still believe in Johnny Walker, but I was reluctant to just basically say he's the guy to beat john jones yeah. and stuff like that um, because it's just you're really setting everybody up for failure when you put those kind of expectations on someone so brief into their run in the ufc um i, I did it with gilbert burns and that looked like i was wrong on that one because now look at him he's, yeah. about, he's fighting for a title at the end of the year yeah overall it's... man I, I like these matchups both of them um, we'll see if uh, Chimaev can keep it going. I have a good feeling he will. Yeah, it's hard not to. <laughs> but I, I, I'll hold off on giving actual predictions until the actual show we when we talk about That's him. on but the Woodley Covington? Yeah. yeah, okay. So, overall, like very excited for both of them um, because they are big steps up in competition, especially like just the first one, Mirchart, and then... If he wins that, step it up. So it looks like they're they're bringing him along mm-hmm. at a correct pace. I would say, assuming yeah. that you know, he, assuming he beats Mirchart, because if he doesn't, then all of a sudden it's like, well, it's gonna. Then you're in an awkward position yeah. if you're the UFC. Yeah, but you know, what, what if he loses the Mirchart and then beats Damian Maya? Also true. Then all of a sudden he's a top ten guy. Yeah, and he's only three and one yeah. in the UFC. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Woo! Any other final thoughts on that, though? I'm. Just can't wait to see how it plays out. Yeah, to be honest, no, that fight sure. should be awesome on the nineteenth. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that'll definitely be main card with all the I hype would say around so, him. With the hype around him, or he'll so. be the headliner of the yeah. prelims. They like to do that because they show those on ESPN a lot of times. It'll be interesting. 
But, That's uh, all I can say. The only other news story we have today, uh, in case you couldn't tell when I was talking about uh, Chimaev and Maya, I mentioned that that would be for Fight Island. We, got, we, we knew it was coming, but we got official confirmation that the UFC will be heading back to Yas Island over in Abu Dhabi uh, starting September 26th with UFC 253. And they will be there for basically a month until UFC 254. Which means Habib and Dustin will be... Habib and Or, I mean, Habib and <laughs> Justin. Yeah. But Dustin and should be there, and, too, yeah. hopefully, against Tony. Yeah, so, um, overall, like, uh, they're heading back there for about a month. Can't wait. Yeah, we'll probably be getting, what, four or five cards, I guess, there. If so. only we had this podcast Earlier in the summer, where we could have broken down our thoughts on God, Fight Island. Imagine getting man. New, the new segments back then, man. That would have been nuts. Fight Island is yeah. something very special. It's for very the, special. Not and only the UFC, but for the whole sports. Yeah, world. you know when you when you just watch it, right, and you don't recognize like the like you don't understand going into it what it took to put it together. Oh, it's incredible. You no, hold on. What I'm saying is. Like when you just watch it and you don't understand that, like you don't know about that, you're just watching them fighting in the arena still but when you do you just have like when you really think about it really read into it and really just i don't know listen to dana talk about it or the the crew talk about it like the amount of like just heart and effort that went into making these fights happen over in uh, abu dhabi insane insane and they've really knocked it out of the park with them yeah if if you guys are ever curious on the UFC's YouTube channel, they have two or three behind-the-scenes videos of, like, creating Fight Island. Highly recommend those, by the way. It's really neat. But yeah, man, it's something we've never seen in any sport ever. Yeah. And the UFC's shown that throughout this global pandemic, they've been at the top, man. Like, they really have. First one's back. and Yeah, I mean, the NBA's done really well with the bubble. Yeah, and they've playoffs. proved that the bubble has to be done. Yeah. To be a complete success. Every other sport was watching the UFC and was going... Taking notes. Taking notes. Are these guys going to fuck up? If the UFC does not succeed in the way they do, we may not have baseball. We may not have basketball. We may not have hockey right now. Yeah. We may not be getting ready for football. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, that's, that's the reality. Because, ultimately... All eyes were on the UFC. Yeah, and they knocked it out of the park. And now there's been some hiccups along the way. You know, your first card, you have uh, Jacare test yeah. positive. Um, you've had guys test positive. The last few cards were really the first time. These last three cards, basically, yeah. since we started doing this thing. <laughs> yeah, right. It's really been when we, like, this last two especially, where it seemed like these cards were being very much compromised due to COVID. Um, but besides that, like, I mean... It's kind of been almost as ins- it's been almost as much of an annoyance as like those injuries that pop up right yeah. before fights, you know. Um, and all, you know, not trying to downplay the the severity of the of COVID. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that as a element, I guess, like up until these last couple weeks, it really hasn't felt like a like overbearing or like it just making fights impossible or yeah. anything you know like for the most part we've gotten the fights we wanted to see mm-hmm. and they've been great whether they've been delayed or not we're still and getting them hot take it's better without fans it's better without fans I said it I agree 
but that's a that's an episode for another day. <laughs> uh, so, any other final thoughts about going back to Abu Dhabi? I got my swim trunks <laughs> and my flippy floppies. Yes, you do. I'm ready. Yep. Let's do it. All right, and that is the end of the news. The news. And now we're moving on. The recap. Of UFC, UFC Vegas Nine. The Ream. Well, I guess we start from fight one, don't we? I'm just excited for the him. demolition man. Yeah, yeah, I hate that. I, I, I miss the ring. <laughs> Anyways, um, our seven fight. I, I'm not gonna lie. Oh. This is definitely gonna be a hard one to. Um, it's gonna feel a little bit maybe more jumbled than some of our previous ones because ultimately this card kind of fell apart on the UFC. Yeah, it, not anything to take away from the actual fights. Yeah. Just the fact that like so many fights seem to fall out right before the yeah, card. Late they replacements, just, cancellations. They just threw all of them together for the main card, and you know, a seven fight main card is quite a bit yeah, for us. We were uh, excited for six. Again, we're just <laughs> we we're six. just a couple of below average Joes. We ain't we ain't we ain't got the stamina for all. Yeah, that, man, man, that's a lot of fights. Um, and we start with the fight that. I don't know how much we're going to have to talk about because it's Hunter Azor going up against Cole Smith. He wins by unanimous decision. On to the next one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I didn't get to see much of it because I yeah. was really late on getting the news that yeah, we, the main card <laughs> got jumbled into one yeah, thing. We, we, we were a little behind so on that. So I looked at the, uh, the, the picture that the UFC posted. I'm like, huh? What do you mean there's only – where's all the fights at that we pre- previewed on Friday? Right. So no, they were I, just all gone. Yeah, I was late to the show, so barely got to see any of that first fight. But I know it was semi back and forth because I think there were one or two judges that scored at twenty nine twenty eight. But either way, it was still unanimous all decision. Three. All three of them was yeah. twenty nine twenty eight. So it was probably a back and forth. But again, I didn't get to see the whole thing from start to finish. So I yeah, can't I mean that's, on it too that's pretty much what I have to say too. It's uh... two prospects. Making a name. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, at the end of the day, they got to be put on a main card. Yeah, so shout out to them so. um, for. I I don't know if it was much of a good fight or not, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, shout out to those guys. Uh, sorry to them that we we'll get them on the next one. <laughs> Moving on to women's flyweight, uh, Vivian Arroyo, Arroyo, I believe. Nice versus uh, beats Montana De La Rosa by unanimous decision, thirty twenty seven on two scorecards and twenty nine twenty eight on the third. This um, was a fun fight. Yeah, it was a fun fight. I, I did. I tuned in right when this one was starting, and I'm like, "What's going on?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, this fight was very back and forth, standing up wise. I don't believe I've ever seen Vivian fight before. If I have, I just don't remember. But she's like ranked eighth in the flyweight division, which is a division that we've touched on multiple times, and they're looking for up and coming contenders. Yeah. Boy, did she prove it last night. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a very exciting division when you get to the top, I think. Yeah. And the fact that you have the threat of, like, Weili Zhang over down, and then you got Jessica Andrade coming up. Um, but when you, you know, when you talk about, like, top 15, that kind of 15 to 8 or so, I, I don't want to call out anybody specifically, but 15 to 8 or 7, um, it's a little less known. You know, yeah. So like, it's, well, a, it's just a lot of people that you know we've maybe have only fought twice in the UFC. You know, well, like, and just like, well, last week Alexa Grasso made her debut in the division. Now she's ranked. So like, if you're a woman in one of these other divisions, really, it takes one fight and you're going to be ranked in this division. That's how kind of small the roster is, I guess, for that weight class right now. But Vivian again, 
She's ranked eighth. She beat number eleven ranked Montana De La Rosa. Montana is always game. Yeah, she and is. always has really good performances. Her husband, also UFC fighter, Mark De La Rosa. I don't oh, know. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. I think they're one of like the first couples to be yeah, signed I didn't realize on the contract that. or whatever. Um so yeah, she got the decision win, very back and forth stand up battle. It was a bloody mess. But it was a very fun fight. She proved she's ready for a top five, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. She looked that good, and again, in a division that's kind of, you know, it only takes so many fights to get up to Valentina, and then, of course, you have to fight her, but, you know. That's that's the bo- That's what they call in fighting games, it's the boss. <laughs> I-, I could see Vivianne taking on a Jessica I or a Lur- Lauren Murphy, so a five or four rank, yeah, in my opinion. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, I don't really have much else to say besides that, I mean, Look, Montana De La Rosa, it was not a poor performance on her behalf. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a good fight. Um, Vivian just looked legit. Yes, yeah, she really did. Um, so I'd definitely be up for her getting kind of that uh, bubble top five, you know, right around there opponent. Um, De La Rosa's only 25. Yeah. By the way. Wow. Yeah, and I mean... Vivian's 33. So, yeah. She's, oh, she's already fought Jessica I. Oh, has she really? Yeah. I'm assuming so never she mind. lost. Yeah, she did lose by a decision. Well, Lauren Murphy then. So, yeah, you run it back with her or you take one step up and go Lauren Murphy. Yeah. yeah. So, overall. Because Jessica um, I is recovering from surgery right now, I think. Yeah, she had some. Gallbladder, yeah, I she think, had her removed. gallbladder removed. Uh, so. Shout out to her. Hope she's doing the okay. The Ohio girl. Yeah, I know I talked some shit about her, but she doesn't appear to be in the best uh, physical health right now. So, it's hopefully all love. she gets better. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm definitely down for that matchup, and hopefully she gets in there quickly. I'm assuming she probably will. That seems to be the move with all these people right now. They're just jumping around, literally taking fights each month, each yeah. every three weeks and stuff. So And for De La Rosa, I'm just going to say, mm-hmm. I know at first I said I'd like Grasso to fight Shevchenko's sister, Antonina, but now I kind of like the thought of Montana De La Rosa versus Antonina. Yeah, Antonina. That sounds fun. Antonina is someone who, it's almost like, to a frustrating degree, she will just stick to a game plan. Yeah. Even when she's being beaten up. It's like she's not someone who... Yeah, I noticed that a lot in her last I have not seen her really do any sort of mid-fight adjustment. It seems like she's very big. She's very, like, stern about sticking to the game plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, hey, like, who am I to tell her what to do? I'm just saying that that's what it comes off as. Mm. Um, but when you have someone like Montana De La Rosa, who's such a game opponent, I think that presents a very interesting style matchup yeah, there. Yeah, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from there, Brian Kelleher. Woo! The boy. This man. Took it. Took this guy on 24-hour notice. Yeah, Ray Rodriguez, and this was a fight. He was originally going to fight Kevin, not TV Dodd. Yeah. A fight that I thought uh, Nativi Dodd was going to win. He goes up against Ray Rodriguez, gets a guillotine choke in 39 seconds. Yeah, and Ray had won 11 of his last 13 fights, and he had fought on the Contender Series. Oh, I didn't so know that. So this was no slouch. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but Kelleher, man. First off, what a crafty vet. Yeah, that's what he, that's what he does, man. And he pulled guard, locked in that guillotine. That was it. That was it. He he wants to fight again too. He's yeah. the first fighter this year, or the second fighter, I guess, to fight four times. He's tied for the most wins in twenty twenty with three, so he's three and one three this and year. One. And he wants to fight one more time this year. I I say give him that 
re, re, rebook uh, him and Natividad. Yeah, I still think that would be a fun fight. Because uh, Natividad was making his UFC debut, a lot of hype behind him. I think Dana talked about him on... Uh, yeah. On if the, you don't know now, you know. Yeah, I, I think, think he did. Because, so. like, you could... Could you justify Kelleher getting, like, a 14, 15 ranked guy or no? I mean, think? I... When you look at the names of who those what's two his are... Di- what's his division again? Well, okay, that's a good question. So, Just last that. night he fought at featherweight, mm-hmm. but he can fight at bantamweight as well. Okay, so... So, we'll, that actually is a good question. I'm assuming an TV dot fight was going to be at featherweight as well. I think, um, it, I think it was. Ultimately... Yeah, it was. I don't know, man. I mean, well, I mean, look at fourteen, fifteen. It's, it's Aldo and Barboza. Yeah, then you got Shane Burgett, Burgos. I mean, that's a uh, tough division to yeah. just even jump into the the sharks at yeah, the bottom, just to yeah. test the waters. Yeah, like I, I mean, Maybe? you know what? You know what though? Like for some reason, a matchup with Ryan Hall just sounds so interesting to me. Yeah, I think it's just because Ryan Hall is just like a a fucking chihuahua that won't let go of your leg. <laughs> And uh, Brian Kelleher's like, fuck you. He's a beast, dude. Yeah, like he's such a crafty vet, like you were saying. Um, I don't think I don't I don't know if I necessarily I don't know if he really needs the top fifteen right now. Like I get it, like you know you want to. Yeah. But like he's kind of got he's got a decent name to him at this point for being a guy that's like kind of reminds you of like a Joe Lozon type or someone like a guy who don't get me wrong like good like yeah. they're good fighters, but. You know, they'll lose some to guys that aren't ranked, but they're just going to look really good when they when they show up and yeah, perform. Yeah, he puts on fights, can. that's for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I would definitely be down to see him get a fight in the top 15 if that's what they do, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I would probably say, like, a Nativi dot or someone. I would someone. like to see that fight still happen. Yeah. But overall, man, I mean, you really can't even get that much takeaway from this fight because it was over before. Yeah, so I mean, quickly. Shout out to Ray Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm pretty for sure he up, shot but... for the takedown and just got immediately yeah. caught in the gu- or yeah. in the yeah guillotine. Thirty nine seconds. I mean, yeah. I mean, as soon as he got that on, it was done. Like yeah. he and when he it when he went, tight. he had it tight and he didn't even have full guard. Like his nah. one leg was under. It was like stuck. Yeah. And he, then as soon as he got that leg out and around, tap done. Yeah. Just over basically before it started. Um, but yeah, overall great performance from Kelleher. He did get a. Uh, a performance of the night bonus. So they gave out four performance yeah. of the nights last and night, and we'll get into some of those other guys because they're all ahead. But, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very excited to see him kind of getting these, uh, getting more of a name to him, getting those bonuses, really being put on that kind of stage where he can really show that he is a guy yeah. that's going to put on a good fight, win or loss. That's kind of my. Those are my guys. You know, I've talked about Cub Swanson, Jeremy Stevens. Jim Miller, like guys that always just come to to just Bang. put on a show, yeah. And it's like they're gonna win some, they're gonna lose some, but you're never gonna be like they were in a boring fight, right? Exactly. But yeah, moving on from there, our next fight, is Andre I, Muniz, yeah, Andre Muniz, Muniz. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, versus Bartos Fabinski. Uh, Munez gets the armbar submission in two minutes and 42 seconds of the very first round. Dom, what are your thoughts? So, Munez had been on the Contender Series Brazil twice. Okay. He won the second one. I'm assuming he lost the first time, but I'm not 100% positive. But he won the second one, hence, you know, getting a contract with UFC. 
Fabinski, on the other hand, was actually scheduled to fight at UFC London. I think that was in March of this year. Oh, the one that was Edwards and Woodley. Originally. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously that got canceled due right. to the pandemic. So he instead fought the same guy at Cage Warriors, and they put on like a UFC worthy performance. Apparently, they were showing clips of it last night. Yeah, absolute bloodbath. Really? Oh, it was messy. Um, but he got the win there. And then, of course, here he is fighting Muniz. This was originally on the prelims, but like we said, it's all one card last night. Um, Muniz is known for his submissions, so people were very surprised when Fabinski attempted like the takedown and go to the ground. <laughs> yeah, It's almost like you knew he's going to get submitted here. Right. Um, so at first, Muniz had a really tight guillotine locked in. Uh, Fabinski was able to sneak his head out, but then really, really sneakily... Is that a word? Sneakily? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> um, he slipped in and got the arm bar. As yeah. soon as he locked that in, Fabinski tapped. It was over. It was over. Um, this was Andre's 13th win via submission. Yeah, guys. The guys Don't slick. go to the ground with him. Yeah, you saw the way he got that arm bar, man. Dude, slick. Oh, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, he didn't even have time to extend it that much. It was impressive. Fabinski was like, oh, no, 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 nope. I'm He out. knew. He yeah. was like, yeah, this guy's got a lot of wins at, yeah. by submission. He's going to break my arm if I don't tap. Yeah. I was impressed. And honestly, like, I'm still not, like, I think uh, even though it's got to be a disappointing loss for Favinsky, I mean, I still think that both these guys could realistically pick. These These both strike me as guys that, again, are going to turn around and fight yeah. in, like, a month. Yeah. Both of them. I think they both deserve another fight in the UFC. Obviously, Munez for getting to win. But uh, Favinsky, I mean, yeah, he got caught in that armbar, and I know it was a surprising, like, Mm-hmm. Going for the takedown, but it maybe wasn't the, the best, best idea. idea in hindsight. But you know, you live and you learn, and exactly. it's a guy who just, coming off. You know, people had some expectations for him here after that Cage Warriors performance. So yeah. I think uh, realistically, you give him another fight, uh, price something on the like prelims of yeah. the fight, a legit actual yeah. prelim fight. Yeah, and uh, and and see if he really does have what it takes. You know, but um, overall, like, and that was at middleweight. Yep. So. Yep. And Munez, man, that having that kind of submission skill in that division, when you get to those higher weight classes, man, being able to have submissions in your arsenal, yeah. is so you crucial. don't see it as often when you go to the higher weight classes. That's why guys like Fabricio Verdum, Ovin yeah. Saint Pru, those guys are able to have such big success because they offer something that a lot of those guys in those divisions don't have, especially when you get to like heavyweight. Yep. A, a, a big amount of heavyweights are boxers or yeah. kickboxers, whatever. It's just because they're so strong. Yeah, like, so they just depend on their power. It takes one punch. But then Fabricio Verdum wins a belt by just putting you in all sorts of chokes. And, yeah. Um, I mean, you saw what he did to Alexander Gustafson. True. Gustafson making his debut. A guy who's known for his striking, his quickness on that the That was feet. so sad. It was a little sad, but that it, but that's that's what Verdum does, man. It's, mm-hmm. If if you if you get caught if you get caught going to the ground, you're someone who's not necessarily much of a ground uh, game guy. Yeah, and even if you are, you're going up against one of the best. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that can definitely pay dividends for Munez to have those kind of that kind of prowess on the ground to be able to be so slick. When you're 185 pounds, you shouldn't be able to just pull that shit out of nowhere. Yeah, you're he, big. He's a big dude. Yeah. You know? I was impressed. Yeah. He's very good. I look for him to fight again, like you said, soon. Yeah. Maybe even on Fight Island. You never sure. Know. Yeah. I mean, again, when you win less than three minutes in and take mm-hmm. no damage, 
and you're coming off a training camp, yeah, put me right back in. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, uh, moving on from there, welterweight action, Michelle. Sorry, Michelle. We this were, was the featured bout of the, the evening. The featured bout, yep. Uh, Pereira uh, putting on a dominating performance over Zalim Idemaev. It was. I have to question the matchmakers on this it one. Was what were quite, you thinking? It was quite impressive. What were you thinking? My boy Zalim, this was his third fight in the UFC, and it is now his third loss in the UFC. While Michelle Pereira was just going up against a legend in Diego Sanchez, a fight he was dominating. Dominating, yeah. And guess what? He dominated this one while still doing some crazy shit, man. This was a beautiful performance. Yeah, for someone who's so... For someone who I always looked at as being just, like, chaotic. I had a backflip counter last night on my notepad. <laughs> but he only did one. He only did one. Yeah. I was really excited to pull that out today. should have been doing the but... slap counter. Dude. Had I known he was going to pull that out of his ass, I would have. Kissed the hand, smack. He put the Stockton slap to shame. Buddy. With the kiss? He, boom, like at least five times. Kind of hurt him. Oh, they were good (laughs) shots, dude. They were clean shots. I was like, damn. If he would have knocked him out with the slap. Would that have been the first slap finish in UFC history? It would have to be. That would have been crazy. But regardless... Uh. Pereira, for a guy who's literally, I look at him and I go, you're chaotic. Last night. For him to put on such a sound performance. He fought perfectly. He still had that exciting style. Oh, that he showboated. The, yeah. He did all this stuff, but at the end of the day, he didn't tire himself out. And that's what was so important. Yeah. He wasn't doing literally standing tucks to jump on somebody's face <laughs> and all this other stuff. He was doing some yeah. dances. He was kissing yeah. his hands, but... At the end of the day, he conserved, conserved his energy. I was impressed. He pulled an extreme version of Anderson Silva. Yeah. Not quite with the same level of <laughs> yeah. technique. But, like, you know, Anderson Silva's a guy who would jaw at you. He'd, yeah. He'd showboat. But, you know, he's a killer. And he'd literally just dodge everything you threw. And he was like the Matrix. He was yeah. Neo. He, he was way faster. He landed the bigger shots. Um he was doing really good work to the body with lead front kicks. Mm-hmm. And he would also do this. You know, he'd be in a stance, obviously. He'd do boom, left jab to the body, then come over top with a big right hand. Right. And it found the spot every time he did it. Um, and then, of course, we go into the third round. He gets a huge slam out of nowhere. Hadn't utilized wrestling, really, right. the whole fight. Slams Zaleem down, takes the back immediately. And from there, got the rear naked with 21 seconds left in the fight. In a fight that he was absolutely dominating. I think this was a big win for Michelle Pereira. Well, I heard DC calling for like um, 10 sixes across the board all three rounds. Like, you don't see that when a fight is completely standing up. Right. You only, or I mean 10 eights. I said 10 sixes. I, I didn't even. I, I didn't. I meant it. ten eight rounds. You were like, "What?" Yeah, I was just like no. listening to you. I was like, Damn. three ten eight rounds." But like, how often do we see ten eight rounds unless someone's getting dominated by a wrestler? You don't see ten eight rounds when you're on the feet, like mm-hmm. very rarely. So for DC to call for three of them, I was like, "Huh." Oh. I can't say I don't agree. That's though. a B Barboza territory right there. Yeah, I I know. At one point, it was like. Round one, 25 to 6. Round two, 25 to Talking 6. Talking about the strikes. Yes. Round three, 41 to 6. Yeah. And then got the... It still got the Zaleem. finish. Yeah, like, Zaleem just couldn't find the range and could that not That guy land. was still going for the finish, and he had that 
fighting a bag. Yeah, he is the definition. That's of what an I'm saying. That's fight. what I'm saying. I am so impressed by him in that fight. Uh, unfortunately, like it took him a little longer to kind of get that recognition because yeah. of that Diego Sanchez fight. It's obvious the UFC like him. They gave him the featured bout here. It was featured bout regardless. They gave him a co-main against Diego Sanchez. Diego, you know, look, it was an illegal knee. Diego couldn't continue. He got the win. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that it went that way because he was dominating that fight against such a well-known opponent. Uh, Now with this win, guess what? I think it's time for him to get top 15. Buddy, I got a fight right here that'll knock your socks off. See, I was about to pitch a couple too, but I kind of want I feel like you're going to save one of mine. Showtime. Yep. Anthony oh, Pettis. man. Anthony Pettis. Could yep. you imagine that yep. fight? Anthony Pettis. Ooh. That fight would be insane. <laughs> Sign me up. He Anthony's 23 and 10. After last night, Michelle, I believe, is 24 and 11. Yeah. So if we're talking number of fights, hello, they're very similar. And Anthony Pettis... Kind of a big deal. Yeah, and I and I, I know this might be too far of a jump up for oh. him going into the top fifteen, but uh, Vicente Luque is staring at me Shoo, as well. Man. Those Again, are both I'm not fun. sure if he would win either of those, but you just know they're going to be fun fights. Especially, look, Anthony Pettis, like that's the one that's sticking out to me the most. Yeah. But could you imagine him fighting Luque? The shit those guys would do. The to crafty, each other. super technical Luque boxing yeah. against. Michelle's, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what you chaos. call it. Yeah. Chaos. It's chaos. Someone you know? called. Oh, someone tweeted last night. They put him on the broadcast and said like, "Beautiful." Oh, it was something funny, but anyways, yeah. it's yeah. That's a fun fight, man. I, I that might be too soon for him. I, but I think it's safe to say he deserves a top fifteen. I think he does. I mean, because you have fought, to think about it. He was dominating Diego Sanchez, exactly. and then he just dominates uh, this and this kid. This Zalim, look not. Obviously, a guy who's probably going to be cut, uh, I would say he's over But a guy coming into the UFC, incredible boxer. I think they said last night as an amateur, he was 59-1. and one Yeah. So it's obvious boxer. that they still thought there was something there because he's lost twice going in. Yeah. They give him a fight with a guy who was, you know, still had some, like, who had still looked good in his previous fights, and um, Zalim did not, uh, yeah. did not belong. And with, Michelle is only twenty six. That's years that's old. what surprised me because I thought he was like forty. He literally looks like he's 35, 40 years yeah, old. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, he's but 26. I, I I'm I'm ready for him to get top fifteen and for no other reason but he actually puts on some damn good fights. And what better way to put on a fight than with a guy named Showtime? Showtime. Mm, that'd be fun. Moving on to the co-main event. Oh, he's back. He's back in a big, big way. I, I, I Ovin St. Prue did not do what I thought he was going to do. No, he did. He did not submit Alonzo Menafield after Menafield dropped him. He simply shut Menafield's lights out. Face planted. Walk, walk, Walking backwards. Walk off KO. Knocked him out. Left hook <sighs> while moving backward toward the cage. Welcome back, light heavyweight. Please, OSP, OSP stay at light heavyweight. Welcome back. I, I want to hear your thoughts. I know you you were big on Menafield going into this fight. So. I was. I predicted a first-round knockout. Yeah. <sighs> I was wrong. Um, the first round was really back and forth. I kind of struggled on who to give it to. Part of me wanted to give it to Minifield because he kind of ended the round with a big combo. 
but a lot of people were for, were calling for OSP because he kind of controlled the range, the distance, had a lot of big body kicks, front body kicks. Um, then we move into the second round. More of the same, really, in the first round. Minifield couldn't really pull the trigger. That's what it looked like a little bit. OSP really controlled the range, so he didn't let Minifield get I, into I that think, boxing. I think Minifield, uh, even though the fight was probably pretty even up until that second round, I would say. It, to me, came off like Menafield was uncomfortable with OSP's game plan to, like, keep the distance, keep yeah. the range. He was – because he was controlling everything. I could, I felt like Menafield was getting a little bit um, overzealous or mm-hmm. a little bit, like, just – he felt compromised maybe or something, so he started kind of, like, just uh, – you saw with the finishing well, sequence. Well, ultimately, that's what led to the – The finish, the I mean, fight. that was him – He rushed in on him because he in. couldn't get the range. Yeah. And as soon as he charges in, OSP said – Boom and good night. Left hook, right to the chin. See, ya. Alonzo face planted. Yeah, asleep. I think this speaks again to the um, experience of OSP because thirty-seven years old. Menafield's a young guy. Yeah, he'll definitely bounce back from this. I would yeah. say. I mean, he's still showed a lot in that fight, being able to kind of stick with OSP. Dude, he's for a while. big dude. Yeah, he is. He's so muscular, but even still, because OSP is huge. massive, man. I mean, I he did not look him. small at heavyweight. I mean, this this man played college football at Tennessee. Yeah. OSP is so big. Yeah, yeah. But is. I still want him, I really want him to stay at light heavyweight. I No, I, I after that fight, I agree. I mean, look, he is 37, and, um, you know, he's never been, even at his in his best years, he wasn't ever to really sniff the heavy or like the title contention i mean he did fight john jones and john jones's comeback fight when dc fell out of the title fight Mm -hmm. but he's never really earned like a title shot you know what in this current light heavyweight division man watch out for osp and i'm just gonna keep pointing that out i know he knocked he knocks out alonzo minifield yeah but my man's submission game that's gonna be a problem for some of these guys at the the ground with him Nobody. I mean, I obviously think he deserves a top 15 after this fight. Well, so he's tied for the most finishes in light heavyweight history now with Mm -hmm. Glover Teixeira with 11 finishes. Right. A fight that's really, hey, 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 pick me, pick me. Yeah. Winner of Walker Span. Walker Span, I like that. Up-and-comers versus a crafty vet who's making his way back into the division Mm -hmm. or even an Anthony Smith matchup. Anthony Smith, okay, I could see that. I uh, wouldn't even be opposed to uh, Shogun Hua either. Yeah. Yep. Um, assuming Shogun keeps fighting. Yep. But, you know, someone in that 15, uh, I mean, Anthony Smith now is eight, 8. So yeah. any, anywhere from 8 to 15. I mean, really, he should be ranked. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked they took him out of the rankings just because of one fight at heavyweight. I, yeah, I don't because like Aldo's in both. Yeah, I, I so think it, I so think forth. it's just a bit of an, an inconsistency there, but yeah. I don't think it was anything intentional. Yeah, but uh, now that he's back, he just has to earn it back technically. But maybe he gets to fight your boy Yuri at one point down the line. <laughs> You're, I don't know how that would go for him, but <laughs> Paul Craig even at 15 would be fun. Like yeah. I think there's a lot of matchups that make sense for him. Mm-hmm. Even Magomed Ankalev. I mean, I still want to see him fight. Uh, Jan Kuleva, but, yeah. you know, that fight's cursed, so we'll see. 
But overall, man, I was very impressed. Lonzo Menafield, keep your head up. Yeah, man. Uh, that guy's still got a bright still future. Young. Still got a bright future. He showed some things in that first round, especially. Um, that power was definitely on point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's just going to have to learn from it. And I, I think it's just going to be big for him to kind of figure out, like, that range aspect of the exactly. game. Um, because they'll probably be – I mean, he probably – they. you know, in this division, when you're a guy that people believe in just a little bit, you're going to – there's not a ton of people that fight in these higher weight classes because there's just less of them. A lot of times when you're that big, you're playing other sports that where you can potentially make a lot more money. So, you know, a guy like Menafield who's got a little bit of hype on him, he's probably still going to be thrown to the wolves going forward, but um, sink or swim, you know? Yep, exactly. That's how you prove you're here to stay, man, at the end of the day. But very impressed with OSP. I'm very happy for him as well because mm-hmm. I just like that guy a lot. I think he's he's put in his time. And um, I, I said <laughs> I was joking when I said it to you, but um, do not sleep on him in this current light heavyweight division where yes. it just seems like all of these guys like there's the you know everybody's fighting for the king of the hill basically. You know Dominic Reyes seems to have kind of the the advantage in most people's eyes of being the next king of the division, but. Yeah. I, I could definitely see it being a hot potato division. Don't be surprised if OSP ends up in one of those title fights. Yeah, you never know. And that man throw a Von Flew choke. A lot of people think that title is going to be changing hands a lot over the next year. I, so. I'm, I am right now. I am on the OSP. Get my man a title fight train. <laughs> I want to see that. I want him to be the next Masvidal that just comes out of nowhere and just you never know. goes on a big run. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's what I. So I'm I'm big on OSP right now. I'm, I'm I want to be I want to I'm jumping on the train right now. All y'all can come with me, but moving forward, we ain't accepting anybody else. Okay, all right. <laughs> so all right. with that, we move to our main event, and kind of a similar matchup to our co-main. You have the the vet. The Ageless Wonders, I keep calling him. <laughs> that should be his new name. Alistair Overeem, who has won fights in four different decades now. Yes. Uh, takes down Augusto Sakai, who... How old is he? He's uh, 29, 29, I think. 29, so a younger guy, a uh, up-and-comer. Was on a tear. Well, Record-wise, yes. Yeah. Um, Overeem gets that fifth-round TKO. Dom, what are your thoughts? So, it it almost played out how I thought, other than the fact I predicted a first-round knockout. Yes, you did. Um, Sakai brought the pressure. Right. He initiated the clinch, held it against the cage, did everything I really anticipated out of him, and then some. He did uh, bring a little bit more action than I anticipated yeah. based off of his prior fights. But regardless, he fought the way I expected him to. Mm-hmm. Overeem fought the way I thought he would. Yeah. He used his veteran experience to stay out of trouble because Sakai had a lot of flurries, man. Yeah. Where he would land knees to the body. Those first two pads, rounds, elbows. it was looking a little dangerous for yeah. Overeem. I had Sakai up 2 0 after the first two. Round three is where the whole fight changed. Complete 180. So, again, the round, round three starts out the same way Sakai's initiating the clinch. Laying in the combos, going away, doing the, coming back, all that fun stuff. The Reams just chilling, managing his distance, picking shots when he gets them. But overall, Sakai's kind of at least controlling the fight. This is where Overeem takes the first takedown of the fight. Ground and pound, boom, wins round three. 
Round four, same thing happens. Sakai's controlling the fight. Overing lands a takedown. Boom, boom, boom. Gets cut very badly, by the <laughs> yeah, way, by does. this ground and pound. Overing times, ties it up two to two. Round five starts. Again, kind of the same thing, but it did not last very long. 26 seconds. Exactly. This time, I think Alistair realized how much better he was on the ground. And as you said, 26 seconds into the fifth, he gets the takedown. All it took was five or six strikes because yeah. Herb was like, you got to fight back, you got to fight back. And uh, Sakaitis was not there, mm-hmm. and he was taking shots. Herb calls it. Alistair Overeem has still got it, as noted Man, in the notepad. I'm not going to lie, I got a little bit of chills when he got up, and he just kind of walked off yeah. like, yeah, I'm still that dude. Yeah. I'm still that boy. It was... I, I love Alistair over The veteran experience truly showed last night. I could rewatch that fight over and over, and you can literally see... There's something about those fights where you see the tide turn, and you're like, uh-oh. Just like how we've mentioned with Stipe in yeah, D.C., yeah. like something happens where you're like, he's going to win this fight. Yep. That's what happened That's what last happened. night. Yep. As soon as that takedown happened, he showed his dominance on the ground. He knew it was going to continue to work. Proceeds to do it and gets the finish. Sakai had no response. No, not at all. And I think there was a lot of fatigue and those flurries he had in the first two rounds. Yeah. Um, he is a guy that's got some, uh, he's got some chub on him. Yeah. So you know he's not necessarily a guy that's built the last five rounds right now. But Overeem, man, that dude, he might not be Uberim anymore, but still he's got still it. he's still built like a brick shit house. So. He's won four of his last five as hard as yeah. That is and great. honestly, it could be a five fight win streak if not for the yeah. hail mary that Rosenstroik had with ten seconds left in the fight. Yeah. Um, Which probably segues <laughs> yeah. us into overall though. I do just want to say Overeem, shout out to him. I'm. You know, I can never straight up root for him to, like, get the belt right now because, you know, Stipe is at the top. But, man, I, I would love to see that guy get, like, another title fight down the road. I well, mean, he, he's he's done it all, but he's yet to get that UFC belt. Yeah. You know? But he, what, what I said in the preview show is really what continues to show through with him. That man's style, like he just adapts with the times and yep. with his body, like his age. He, he understands. If you looked at him when he first came into the UFC, sure, juice to the gills. <laughs> that Lesnar fight, the dude was throwing power shots, walking him down. Now you look at him, he's much more of a, um, like a very he's composed. very on his, he's very like on his on his bike as they call yeah. it, where he's like he moves around a lot. Very technical, yep. um, kind of a counter striker at times. Like, doesn't doesn't overextend. Doesn't you know? Because you've seen when he overextends, he ends up in fights with like Ngannou. Yep. Uh, even that. I mean, the Rosenstrike thing kind of came out of nowhere. But you know, the Stipe fight. Like, that's kind of where you first saw him starting to do that. Like, people didn't like it there, where he was like running around and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But it is a like you know, it's all it's all fair and game. You know. But uh, very happy for him to get this win. As for potential next matchups, the obvious one, the one that everybody's been saying, and this one makes a lot of sense to me, is he gets a rematch with Rosenstrike. If we're talking top five only, it's really the only fight there. Because yeah. Blades and Lewis are fighting in November. Yep. And Ganu's going to get the next title shot. We're, at least we we're, think. We're assuming. Yeah, we're assuming. We don't know that. 
So the only guy left. And I can tell you I do not want to see Overeem fighting Ganu again. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the only guy left is Rosenstroik, and it makes sense considering Alistair yeah, I, was winning the fight. Yeah, I since you know, Rosenstroik won that fight with JDS, I think it makes a lot of sense to pair those two up. Yep. I also wouldn't mind if he if Overeem fought JDS. Yeah. Or even give me Alexander Volkov, the guy he has not fought before. Mm-hmm. Um, give me that. I'm all for that. As for uh, Sakai, <laughs> Alexander Volkov also makes <laughs> yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Walt Harris makes yep. a lot of sense. Um, even someone like uh, Alexi Olenek. I'm still, I'm still on the Alexi Olenek train as well. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe that man. Yeah. Uh, Cyril Gain, that's a guy who I'm pretty sure is confirmed for an upcoming match. Yeah, he's but... fighting. Oh, gosh. I think it's, is it Pavlovich? It might be because someone was kind of saying uh, the winner of that should fight. Or I saw a picture by MMA on point. That was one of the options for oh, Overeem, yeah, yeah. actually. So, overall, um, Sakai is still, he's still number eight. He's he's fine. Yeah. He's got matchups. He As long as he, again, he's just got to work on that cardio. Um, and ground say. game. And ground game, yeah. Overeem, man, really, he is who he is at this point. So why not just... Either give him that rematch with Rosenstroik, a fight he was winning up until he lost uh, with 10 seconds left in the yeah. entire fight. Um, or give him, like, a, you know, it'd be the second time him and JDS fought, but they have not fought in a long time. Like that Yeah, when be, was that? It was like 2013, yeah, 2014, so. something like that. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. You know? I so, agree. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the recap. There it is. Um, overall, it was a bit of a shit show fight week for the UFC as far as like fights falling out and stuff, but the fights delivered. Yeah, man. I mean, seven fights, five finishes. Uh, what else can you really ask really for? Really wasn't a the... bad card or wasn't a bad fight on the card. No. I mean, the I first fight we didn't have much to say. We don't really know what happened there, but the rest of them, like, I can't complain with any of them. No. Great fights, and, you know, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't matter what these people's names are, if there's a number next to them in the rankings or not. A fight's a fight. And your famous, you know, quote, fights aren't made on paper. They're made in the octagon, right? Yeah. So, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And this card was kind of the perfect explanation behind that quote. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of madness this week, but still the fact that we could just watch fights, fights. and not and kind of have an escape. Yep from what a lot is going on in the current world. Like, it's just, it's never, like, no matter what happens, no matter the chaos of the fight week, even though now we do this, these preview shows and things have been changing a lot. Um, We've yet to go a perfect preview show and yeah. then the fights actually but follow But overall, <laughs> like, it's still just, like... It's fun, man. It's still an absolute pleasure to get to watch them during these times when so many sports are struggling and yeah. whatnot, so... Very happy to do that. Um, as for the rest of the week, Wednesday, special video time. We're mm. doing our Mount Rushmore of the UFC. Yeah. Just want to again explain. Some of you might be like, well, didn't you guys already do your top ten fighters of all time? Right. So why is this just going to be you guys talking about your top four? Well, you would be wrong. You would be mistaken, sir or madam. <laughs> because... Mount Rushmore don't mean that. True. The UFC has been a company since 1993. Yeah. Their first show, 1993. Long time. That's what, 27 years? 27 years. years. We, if you go back, you know, my my cousin, 
who is uh, shout out to him. He's been watching. He's listened to every episode. Big fan. Guy who's very engaged with us. Always calling me and texting me about the fights and stuff. A guy who's really gotten in more to the yeah. UFC because of like listening to our podcast, which always which is like us that's what good. we want, right? Yeah. Um, but he was texting me the other night when we were recording. About he went back and started at UFC one. Yeah, he was like, "Dude, this shit's crazy." Yeah, well, and, and he uh, was like, "What he say?" He this said, "Voice Gracie guy's got, pretty good." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, which is he hilarious. Is. But if you go, if you see, like, if you even can just look up a clip of like those early UFC, so much different to today. Yeah. So most of those guys that fought back in 1993, 94, 95, they're not going to be on the top ten list. They didn't. A lot of them didn't fight. Many times, like they, yeah. Sometimes the they fought because at the time they were fighting three times in a night. Yeah. Sometimes that was the only three times you saw them fight in the UFC. It's you know it was a it was a different time, but when you're talking about Mount Rushmore, it's which fighters' impacts ultimately have shaped the company into what it is today. That's how I look at it. That's exactly how I would think of it. And so, would the and, company and, and be so, where it is today? So some of it's gonna be. The actual, like, it can be the uh, actual, uh, what do you want to call it? Like, the the accreditation, the the actual, like, fighting that they did. Yeah, I mean, like, and performances like, are realistically, taken into account. Like, realistically, your number one was Anderson Silva. Yeah. My number one was GSP. Realistically, both those guys could be on a Mount yes. Rushmore. Yeah, for sure. It, I'm, we're just not, I'm just saying that my top four will not be on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, there may There may be one. I don't know. I don't want to yeah. say that and not be true. But ultimately, like... It's about the actual impacts that are stuff. When you talk about people behind, like what goes on behind the scenes, what do they do for the company? You know, yeah. Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner, they yes. technically saved the company with that fight they had with the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 finale. Yeah. Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz carrying the company in the dark days. Yep. You talk about Hoist Gracie back at UFC 1, the inaugural winner, the guy who basically put jiu-jitsu in the map in the USA. Yep. You talk about Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, people that made the it needle movers. bigger than the sport. Yeah, um, Ronda, Anderson Silva, GSP, that sustained greatness. There's so many options, yeah. and there's a bunch I didn't even talk about. You could talk about Brock Lesnar, yeah, a guy who proved that like you could come over from somewhere, like you could just have a like that background in wrestling. You like you come already established and yeah, still make and still able to be like great. There's a lot of options, right? CM Punk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Fuck off. I thought you'd have fun with Fuck that. Fuck off. All right, I'm going to end it there. <laughs> you kind of ruined the momentum there. I was just there. kidding. I was just kidding. Um, I kid, I kid. Okay, anyways. But now you kind of get the point. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of that goes into it, but it's just going to be like, it's essentially greatness that goes inside and outside of the octagon, right? Yep. Legacy. Uh, but that's Wednesday's episode. Talking yep. about Mount Rushmore to UFC. Friday, I believe this is UFC Vegas 10. Yep. Uh, main event, main, yeah, main event got a little shaken up. It's no longer Glover Teixeira and Tiago Santos, unfortunately. But we do get to see um, Michelle Waterson and Angela Hill. That's an important fight for the division. It's important. People I know are, people are talking trash about it online, and I get upset. I, get a little I think it's going to be a good fight. That's why I, I'm not upset about it. I think it's going to be super technical. Yeah. Very technical. Um, but I'm excited for that, and we'll get to talk about the rest of the main card, and hopefully it can actually stay the fuck together. Yeah, I don't even... <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't even know what the rest of the main card is right now. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as always. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's it for today. So, Dom, tell the people where they can find you on social media. You can find me personally at dsalee 14 on Twitter and Instagram. As always, you can find us, uh, our podcast, on Instagram at below average joes underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. And you thought I was going to go into my social media, but the rest of the week there is one big thing we want to tease right here. <laughs> so this Thursday marks a very special milestone in the Below Average Joe's UFC podcast. It's the one month from that day since our inaugural episode. Yep, it'll, so August 10th of 2020 was our very first episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, come September 10th, 2020, this Thursday... Boy, do we have some fun news to share. Yeah, and we were wondering, like, what should we do, right? Should we do a special video? Should we should we do a Q&A? Should we, like, get someone, one of our friends on here? Yeah. Like, what should we do to, like, celebrate? Because it felt like a big deal, right? We're, we're doing it, you know? And then something just kind of happened. I think it's safe to say we went above and beyond. Yeah, I would say you, you, have a, you have a, went above and beyond for the, the greatness of the podcast. Or the greater good, I should say. Um, I am so excited to talk about this, and I, I want to so bad right now, but I can't. Um, follow us on that Instagram. Yes. Um, follow our personal yes. handles. You'll be getting those announcements yes. on Thursday. Yes. Um, if not, you'll hear about it on Friday's episode. Um, we will talk about it in pretty good detail there. Yeah, on Friday's episode, we will break it down a lot more once it's actually But I'm announced. just... You know, just to kind of toss the feeler out there, be ready. Yeah. Because I can assure you with this announcement, we ain't going nowhere. The game has changed for the below average <laughs> Joes. The, the game has changed. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, be you, ready. You can find me. <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram at ntbaker underscore. And with that, we're out. And we'll see y'all on Hump Day.